Welcome to the Dietitian Boss Podcast. I'm Libby Rothschild, creator of Dietitian Boss. After almost four years of sitting in my dimly lit, windowless clinical office, I had enough. I wanted to feel like my work mattered, so I did something about it. I created a program that empowers dietitians and nutritionists to create their own private practice from scratch and emboldens already established practitioners to think bigger. My method provides a step-by-step process to improve how you market yourself on social media so your presence can become far more profitable and help more people. Very excited here today with Betsy Helmuth. She's the owner of Affordable Interior Design and is nationally celebrated interior designer. She has appeared on the Today Show, HGTV, DIY Network, CBS, NBC, and in dozens of magazines and newspapers. She penned the popular DIY design book, Design Big, Small Budget, Create a Glamorous Home in Nine Thrifty Steps, and Affordable Interior Design, High-End Tips for Any Budget. Betsy hosts a weekly podcast syndicated on iTunes called Affordable Interior Design. Welcome. Did I leave out anything from that bio, Betsy? That sounds pretty good, Libby. All right. Well, pretty thorough. Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm really excited to have you here today. And because you are not a dietitian, I want to make sure that I introduce how we know each other. And I'm really excited for the value you're going to bring because you're going to be talking today about what it's like to be an entrepreneur work-life balance as a woman, as a mom, as somebody who has grown a really amazing business and who we've connected with in our program. So I was wondering if you could just, uh, if we could first frame out that we connected in the Goldman Sachs 10,000 Small Business Scholarship that we've both been awarded. And so we met through our cohort, cohort 32 together. So I was wondering if you could just kick off and talk a little bit about your experience in that program, what you've learned from it, what inspired you to apply, and then we'll segue into work-life balance, et cetera. Well, first of all, thanks for having me. I'm really excited to be here, Libby. And yes, we met at Goldman Sachs, 10,000 Small Businesses, and I initially applied because I love entrepreneurial learning. You know, I started my business, Affordable Interior Design, for a love of interior design. And then after you've been designing as long as I have, it's been 15 years, and I've worked with thousands of clients. 2,500 clients and counting. So when you've worked with that many people and done that many projects, it never gets old, but you feel like you mastered it at a certain point. I am a design master. And so you look for that next challenge. And the next challenge for me for the past seven, eight years that I've really been taking this seriously and took it from like a hobby business to a serious business, that challenge has been being an awesome entrepreneur. And the great thing about being an entrepreneur is that it is the ultimate self-help program. If there's a problem with you personally, it's going to show up in your business and you will be able to measure that in revenue, in employee turnover, in client dissatisfaction or satisfaction. It allows me to always continue learning, not only about myself, but also about money, also about other people, being a manager and owner, also about new people who are doing change-making things like you guys, like everyone in our cohort 
is deeply fascinating to me because we've all taken this kind of 360 journey as business owners. So I'm always looking to learn and getting a scholarship for free learning, sign me up, but also being able to meet all these local entrepreneurs because I realized at a certain point about seven years ago that my friends had changed. My friends, my core group initially when I moved to New York City in my 20s was people I knew from school, people I knew from the restaurant industry. I was a bartender and a waitress. And then it's really become, since I've started to excel in my own business, entrepreneurs. They like get me excited. We have the same values. We have the same fluid lifestyle. We can meet up on a Tuesday or we can meet up on a Saturday. There's just so much depth. We can like each other as friends and we can admire each other. And we can really get under the hood and say, here's what I'm struggling with. It's just a way to get really close, really quick. That's what I found. Beautiful. And that's how we got together, Libby. We, I felt an immediate kinship after our first talk. And uh, it's exciting. Yeah, it's wonderful. And, and same over here. So just for some context for the listeners, the scholarship that we're in is a four-month scholarship. It's a 100-hour course where we have two webinars a week. We have a growth group. It's, there's 32 people in our cohort who are New Jersey, New York, Connecticut based. It's virtual right now, but it's typically held at LaGuardia Community College through Goldman Sachs. And uh, the program is quite intense with homework, paired exercises on a weekly basis. And the, the point is the whole goal of the program is very structured is that we create a growth plan that's segmented into different categories and topics have to do with financials, marketing, process mapping, also known as standard operating procedures, hiring, managing people, all the important stuff that you need to uh, really have your business be clear and give direction and sense of purpose and also identify opportunities. And lastly, raise capital or at least identify what the opportunities would be if you were to go down that path. So it's a very well-supported program with the, the primary outcome in what I just explained of the Goldman Sachs 10,000 Small Business Program is to help you grow your business in terms of revenue, and they keep track of your metrics to help identify that, uh, the success of you individually and collectively through all the cohorts, because they've served 10,000 small businesses so far. They've accomplished that goal, which is really tremendous. And then number two, they want you to hire more employees. So again, it's all growth-oriented, growth in terms of revenue, total revenue. I'm not sure if that's top line or profit margins, and then also uh, amount of employees. So it'll be exciting for us, for Betsy and I, after we graduate the program in about a month, to be then an alumni and see how they keep track of us and how we can work and learn more from entrepreneurs in, in the community across the nation. This is a national program, the Goldman Sachs. So it, I remember first meeting Betsy because I think Betsy had reached out to me because Betsy and I both do something similar. So I teach dietitians, show them how to start and grow a virtual private practice. And Betsy, you teach interior designers as well how to you know, design, which is really cool. So we had that in common. And then uh, Betsy did a podcast little, um, kind of like you hosted an event where you talked about what it's like hosting your podcast. And you're just su such a likable entrepreneur and you did such a great job leading the group that it led to a couple conversations that we had, a little bit deeper conversations that I thought I felt inspired to share the knowledge that you shared with me to my community so they could get a little piece of Betsy too. I'm happy to help. Yeah. Let me know what you want to know. Yeah. And, and I, before we, we head into the work-life balance, I just want to ask a couple questions based on what you said earlier about 
how lifelong learning is important to you. That's part of the catalyst that made you apply to the program for Goldman Sachs. Interesting, I applied to meet like-minded entrepreneurs. So that was my objective. And also I wanted to learn what does it look like to raise capital because my knowledge with that was limited. So I, I am learning more about that. And I think it's important as a business owner to make sure I'm financially, I'm, I'm competent in the areas of opportunity, especially when it comes to finances. So specifically, what do you do outside of this? Because this is a three month, a hundred hour course where we're then alumni, but what do you do ongoing for learning? What are kind of, or do you set some kind of metric for that? Do you have any kind of groups? Do you think that that's really helped you codify your mindset? Could you speak a little bit more to that? I am always in something. I am in a mastermind group that meets once a month that came from another business group that I'm in and have been in for three years called Strategic Coach. We meet quarterly when it's not COVID in Chicago. Uh, they actually have several home bases in Toronto, Los Angeles, London. I just meet with my group in Chicago. I personally take three days and just totally focus on my business and only one day is spent in a learning module. But most entrepreneurs take two days and go the day before, then do the intensive with strategic coach and then go back. But I find that being an entrepreneur is lonely. I mean, I have a team that works with me. I'm not alone. I'm not a solopreneur anymore, but it's still a very lonely path. The people who work for me and with me cannot be my friends. And I need a team of business advisors, but I'm not formally set up with business advisors. And also, as I mentioned before, these are my people. So it fulfills me in that sort of friendship, kinship kind of way. We're on the same path. We're just headed in different directions, but we can help each other. I just got off the phone with somebody from my strategic coach group who wanted to know like what my metrics are with my podcast. I'm totally transparent with my business friends, frankly, with anyone, but especially with my business friends, we can rise together and we don't have to feel alone. And she's in Minnesota. I've met her six times and we talk twice a month. So there's just something really special about being in these groups. I went it alone without any groups for the first seven years of my business. Roundabout when I started taking this seriously, I joined like a women's business group, Saber. And I immediately, it was like I was dying of thirst and didn't know it. And it was like, they put a big old jug of water in front of me and said, drink this and then come and have some wine and then come and have a cocktail. And so it took this thing that felt like a lonely slog and turned it into a cocktail party. And so that's why I'm always in groups because I sit alone in my office 40 days a week with my own little brain and I can't get outside of it without connecting. That's beautiful. And so important. So th thank you for sharing that. And I love that you're able to kind of keep that momentum with your friend that you've only met six times, but you're still able to keep that friendship and, and maintain that and inspire one another. And I, I feel a lot of the listeners learn that too late, that the support system when you are an entrepreneur and you do your own thing is hugely important to help your mindset so that you can you know, enhance your vision so that you can have support on your path because you're not alone. There are other people out there that think, outside the box. It, we just have to be diligent about finding those opportunities and it just takes a little bit of legwork. So thanks for explaining how important that is. And then it's consistent, right? It's not one and done, right? Because you being in this program, the one that we're in together is another example of you 
taking those continuous steps outside of what you've already created to further solidify your learning experiences. Even though I'm cool with one and done, by the way, like I'll take it any way I can get it. And, you know, I listened to this other business podcast, EO Fire, Entrepreneur on Fire, and he's always taking some kind of course. And it inspired me to always be taking some kind of course. So even if it's just a quick, here's how you market your course, here's how you attract new leads, I will take it, sign me up. As long as I can manage it within my calendar, I expect to spend 20% of my time educating myself in some way. So I definitely am an interior designer. I'm definitely an interior design instructor, but I am a learner who uses that education to become something bigger than I am right now. Love it. So now let's go into a little bit of whether it's background about your business, how long you've had it. You mentioned a team. So, you know, some behind the scenes is fun. And then I want to talk a little bit about how you make it. You are so good at work-life balance. And that, of course, is defined so differently among so many of us. But if you could share a background on your business beyond what you've already said, going deeper about your team, et cetera, what your aspirations are, and then B, how do you separate from that and really be there as a mom, as a woman, as a uh, wife, as a you know friend and separate all of your business thoughts in your head? I mean, you and I had such a great conversation about that. I'd love to share that, those examples. I know you even said your daughter's coming to work with you today after this podcast recording. And, and I'd love to, to have that shared um, with, with some background with the listeners. Yeah. So I think going back to your initial question about the journey, I started... 15 years ago, 16 this year, uh, just as somebody who was interested in interior design. I watched the shows, I saw the stars, I moved to New York City. I was like, why can't I talk to these stars? They work right around the corner from here. So I reached out to somebody I was really starstruck with, the designer from Queer Eye for the Straight Guy, Tom Felicia. He hired me as an apprentice for his firm for a year. And then I was like, I really like this, but I can't connect with celebrities. I'm from Missouri. like. I shop at Kmart. This is not working for me, this high-end interior design thing. So I decided to start my own thing. And 15 years ago, there was really not an affordable interior design industry that was needed explaining. Everyone was like, what are you talking about? You shop at Kmart. What are you talking about? You're an interior designer. I think those things are oxymorons, but they're really not. Shopping retail and becoming an interior designer is something that is mainstream now. And I love that, that it's making it accessible for everyone, whether you're in a trailer in Missouri or whether you're in a penthouse in New York City, you can live in a home you love. So that fueled me for many years and I did it as a hobby and I made some money, but I was undervaluing myself and I was working day and night, blogging every day, staying up till 4 a.m., working on client projects and sewing people's curtains. Like it was like that. And then, I got so busy and I got so pregnant. <laughs> so I met a man, I married him, we're in love. We got pregnant and I was like, I can't do this anymore. Like I physically can't work 16 hours a day anymore. And it took that for me to stop. So I said, I have to hire someone. I went into entrepreneurship unwillingly. Like I was like, I don't want to hire someone. I don't want to teach them what I know. But my first hire was amazing. She was with me for six years and managed to take a ton of work right away. Young, hungry, adaptable. And automatically I saw the power. And working with her, I learned how to become a manager and how to become a delegator. 
But I also realized, hey, I can have a life. Like, what does that even look like? What do I like to do outside of, you know, having a business? I had nothing else to focus on besides my chihuahua. Now I have a husband and a baby on the way. Maybe I'm going to want to do something. Like, that's weird. So then I had that baby. And there is like, speaking of entrepreneur on fire, he interviews a lot of entrepreneurs and they talk about this baby effect. So I'm not getting the terminology right. But when you have a baby or when you have something outside of yourself, that's more important than your business and maybe even more important than you to you, you will allocate your time much differently and you will be much more efficient. So I had this baby, we had a difficult birth and even with insurance, I had five figures of debt, more than I had made the whole previous year in interior design. And I had to make it in like two months. I wanted to clear our credit. I wanted to, you know, whatever. So I found a way to make more than I'd made the entire previous year in two months. I paid off the entire medical bill. And I was like, look what I can do when I focus my energy, when I have a goal, when I see the end point and want to reach it. Ever since then, that turning point of that difficult birth and huge medical bill made me into an entrepreneur. And I became somebody who has somebody who works with me to somebody who was motivated to scale, grow, and find balance. Beautiful. Really well said. Thank you for sharing that example. So can you talk a little bit more about, uh, you shared that you got lucky and somebody that you hired took on a lot of responsibilities for several years and that's incredible. So good for you. And, and I understand the impetus of your child and the shift in your life from having a chihuahua to then having a family and adapting to that. With your business growth, if you're comfortable sharing about that or what some of the future aspirations are, how did you manage the mindset of kind of caring about growth and wanting to support that as a CEO, but also pausing and taking a step back and then learning how to temper your personality? Well, I think a big part of it and with any entrepreneurial journey is trying something and see if it works. And again, it's kind of that self-help, like checking in with yourself. Is this working for me? When I had my first baby, I was working nonstop to fix those medical bills. And that was not going to be sustainable. I didn't want to miss some of those moments. And I was watching myself as I was working, as I was leaving the baby with the nanny. And I was saying, you know what? I need to do something different. So I think the key is checking in with yourself because balance is never 50-50, right? Sometimes like during the pandemic, when my kids are remote learning, they need more of my time than my job. And then balance for me is 60-40, right? And more kid-focused and less work-focused. When my son was a baby, I didn't know how to balance. I came from 100% work. Well, maybe like 97% work, 3% husband and chihuahua. Then I was like, this has got to change. So I had to kind of go little by little. Okay, I'm going to have the nanny four days a week. Oh, that doesn't feel so good. I'm not getting to see him in the moments I want. I'm going to modify it. And I think that's where we have to realize the power we have as entrepreneurs. I control my time. Nobody told me, Betsy, you have to work 16 hours a day. Nobody told me, Betsy, you have to be in this office nine to five. If I wanted to work and I do do my best work between 10 p.m. and 2 a.m., then that's what I do. And that means that I wake up with my son, we cuddle, we have breakfast, we go to mommy and me music. I loved mommy and me music. I was a little obsessed. 
we went to a daily mommy and me music. And then I plug in at work at noon, nanny comes at noon, whatever that looks like. But I got to choose. And when it was no longer working, I got to change. But the key, if you're in control of your time, if you're in control of your destiny, is that you not only check in day to day, but you check in looking forward. You know, because if you just don't have that vision. And for so many years, I didn't have the vision. I just reacted to how I was feeling day to day. Without the vision, you're going to stumble there. With the vision, you can laser focus your activities and your intentions to get there. For instance, my kids are in virtual learning right now. This summer, they will not be going to summer camp, unfortunately, due to the pandemic. I know I wanna be home with them, not only both weekend days, totally unplugged from work, like no work, but I wanna be home with them to have mommy summer camp. I already have my curriculum all planned out. Mommy summer camp, Tuesdays and Thursdays. I will be home with them all day, doing clay, doing whatever, and not touching my computer. So knowing that that's the goal, I'm setting myself up right now. I'm hiring three people right now to help me get there versus stumbling there saying, hey, I wish I could do mommy summer camp. How am I gonna make that happen? Oh, So you treat it as a new business goal, but maybe all your business goals aren't wrapped up in metrics. Maybe they're wrapped up in moments, right? Beautiful, really well said, Betsy. And then I like that, not wrapped up in metrics, but wrapped up in moments. And I think it's important to think about the two in tandem. And this can also be challenging when there's ebbs and flows in our personal life. Uh, there's COVID and how, and how it's affected us in different ways. And then we have different business goals or model shifts uh, with what we're doing with, with our businesses. So I think there's a lot of factors that go into this and it's, it's helpful and really inspiring to hear your story. Now, when we spoke, you mentioned something about how you have a rule or I can't remember if it was like a Wednesday rule or something where you just didn't do work. Can you share either that, if, I'm, if, I told, if I got that wrong, and then anything else you employ to try to really capture those moments with your family? Yeah, it's Thursday. So you were very close. Okay, okay I was close. Thursday rule. <laughs> so Thursdays, I leave the office after lunch and I completely plug in with my kids on Thursdays. And that's the beautiful thing too, is it shifts during the pandemic, it's Thursdays. Last year it was Wednesdays because in my school district, we don't have school on Wednesdays, but it becomes my time to create, you know, because my husband is there on the weekends and we're there together and we're creating our own dynamic. And my husband is a comedy writer for TV. So he's a ton of fun and I'm not quite as fun. Can you tell Libby? I'm not quite as fun. And so if I want to get my own time in to do my own objectives and goals, I need that time where it's just me and we're just doing what I want. I'm also an only child, so I like doing what I want. My husband's an only child too, so we both really appreciate each other's love for doing what we want. But anyway, so I think that if we're going to slog, right? As entrepreneurs, we're going to slog. We're going to take all the responsibility for everything. We're going to wear all the hats for a period of time. And then we have to find people to wear the hats after that. We've got to relish the rewards. And the rewards are that I manage my time. I call my shots. I tell my assistant, don't contact me afternoon on Thursdays. I'm totally out and will not be available to you, even by text. And that is a really important boundary for me. When I have free days and I do have two free days, totally free days, meaning I don't check email, I don't do any work-related 
reading. I love to get the New York Times on the weekend. I will not open the business section. If I'm hanging with friends, they cannot ask me about work. Of course they might, because that's what you do at a party or whatever. How's work going? Unfortunately, I can't talk about that today. I'm totally unplugging. Uh, you have to set your own boundaries. As an entrepreneur, those can be really hard to stick to, but I stick to it like it is a metric, right? Two days a week at minimum. Thursdays can't count because I do work half the day until lunch, right? And I hope to get to four days this summer. Okay, that was total inspiration. I'm really glad that you got to share that. Now I want to unpack a little bit before your how did you get to that space? How long did it take to set those boundaries? What were the struggles? It's really commendable, but I also, I want the how-to. Yep, yep. Well, I think sometimes the best lessons come from failures. Do you ever find that? Totally, absolutely, yeah. Yeah, the lessons that mean the most to me come from failures. And I'm not gonna say that my experience having my first baby was a failure, but I struggled to achieve balance. I struggled to find the time to not be also on my phone at the mommy and me music. Did I get an email coming in? Oh, I have to take this. Let me just step out. I struggled to create that. Lucky for me, Libby, I got pregnant almost right away with my second. And with my second, I said, this is going to be different. I don't like that I missed his first step. I don't like that he said mommy to somebody else. So we're doing this differently now. And it's not just going to be mornings. I'm not going to work from 10 to 2 anymore. I'm not seeing my husband. So sometimes we have to feel what's not working to make it be worth enough to change. And, you know, I recognized that when I would open an email on the weekend, even if it wasn't something too important, even if it was like my client decided she hated the artwork and needs new options, that's not really a big deal, right? But I couldn't get it out of my mind. She hated the artwork. Oh no, but that's the color palette. And now what drapes are we going to do? And I can't use navy anymore. Like what about the throw pillows? One email could send me on a distracted journey and I'm no longer at soccer practice. I missed my son's goal because I'm thinking about the crate and barrel artwork. And I realized it wasn't worth it. And so I said, no email, no nothing. I don't, I noticed that I was kind of a different person. Like even I could feel my blood in my veins changing. Like it gets a little hotter, it gets a little faster. And I, I mean, not really, I'm not a health professional, right? So it probably doesn't really change dramatically, but I could feel my energy shift. And I'm not saying that work ideas don't come to me, but they do come to me and I treat them like a balloon. I really do think of them this way. It reminds me of like those meditation teachers who are like, just watch the cloud float by. When you think about something that's not your breath, when I see a balloon pop in my mind that says, Betsy, what about scheduling on Monday? Betsy, I think one of your designers is calling out sick next week. I pop it with a pin and I just keep it moving. That thought will be there on Monday. I don't even take a note of it in my phone. I don't give it the energy. I pop it like, cause I'm a visual learner. I'm an interior designer. I literally see the balloon. I pop it and I move on to protect those days and protect my family. 
And I love that you have that habit. I appreciate you sharing the story about failure and how you can learn from failures and how you, you know, the energy wasn't aligned. You made an addendum and you're still work in progress, making more and shifting to a life that I think a lot of the listeners are going to be very inspired by, right? To know that you have the power and control to set the schedule you want and to also reflect and, and adjust it. It's a living document, so to speak, in the sense that, uh, you know, it's not set in stone. You can always there you can just modify how that's working for you to make it different and as you know like different aspects of your life need more attention at more time i had a herniated disc in my back six months ago my health needed 85 percent of my time and the right balance for me in september when that occurred was focusing 85 percent of my focus on my health you know I couldn't even walk, so I couldn't give a lot to my family. So my family got 10%. I couldn't even make dinner. And my business got 5%. I basically shut myself out of my business so I could heal. Balance is not 50-50. And I think that's what people get wrapped up in. It's like, who needs help most? And I think a lot of us can understand that when we have multiple children, when we have multiple employees, sometimes one employee, one child, and I'm not equating employees with children, I'm just saying, if you have multiple people in your life that are supposed to be at the same level, you realize that they can't always be. Sometimes my son needs a lot of support and sometimes he just flies and really doesn't need me. Sometimes my daughter's going through something emotional, especially with this remote learning. They are in totally different places every day, emotionally and academically. Who needs me more? And that is my balance, right? So forget 50-50 you're not even really doing your best work when it's 50 50 because what if something's really needing you yeah so what i'm hearing from that is agility to modify that you know quantification based on what's happening for example you got the hernia you had to modify your, your health needed a different distribution of your time and energy so a be agile and then b like 50 50 myth is is just that a myth and it's always going to be modified and changed based on your particular needs at that time or your familial needs and your situation that doesn't look the same as the next person. Did I get that right? Yeah. And going a little bit past that, we get this messaging everywhere. If I see another gosh darn BuzzFeed article that says work-life balance is a myth, don't try and achieve work-life balance. That is totally untrue as an entrepreneur. We can make our own destiny. Will it impact our revenue? Maybe, maybe not. As we've seen, working less helped me to earn more. But don't believe the hype. If I'm feeling like I'm not spending enough time with my family, I spend more time with my family. If I'm feeling like I'm not getting what I need personally, I take myself for a walk. I take myself for a coffee. I go see something in nature. Due to coronavirus, my options are much more limited. But I call my girlfriends. I'm like, let's have a Zoom meet. I need some me time. So I think the key is checking in and the key is believing it's possible. And it just doesn't have to look half and half. My day never looks half and half, but if I wasn't happy with my day, I make a change tomorrow. Love it. Thank you for your words of wisdom, your experiences. It's been a pleasure connecting with you in the scholarship and being able to to learn about how you've been able to you know, make things work and, and learn from what you call failures, I would just say experiences of day in the life of an entrepreneur. Is there any other final notes you want to leave with as we wrap up today's episode? I think one thing I want to mention just before we wrap up is sometimes 
there can be a lot of power in a ritual. I have a really hard time leaving work at work. Like I have to leave work at six and run home and I instantly make dinner so we can stay on track. But while I'm making dinner, I have a hard time just clearing my mind for maybe the things that happened that day. So I have a ritual. I have a chime in my car and I ring the chime when I get in my car before I start driving home. And I take one deep breath and I say, what was at work is at work family now. So creating a ritual, even if it sounds silly, I can hear that chime right now. And it just shifts me a little bit. So if you're having a hard time defining the break, find the break, right? My break is in the car. I can't be doing the chime in the office because I'm still spinning. I can't be doing the chime in the house because my kids are like, what's for dinner? We don't want chicken. I have to find that break. And then I can recenter and not take stuff where it doesn't belong. Incredibly inspiring. I love that we ended on that ritual. If you could just remind everybody where to find your podcast so they can listen to more stories and hear you speak. I am always talking a little bit about my journey and also mostly about interior design at the Affordable Interior Design Podcast. I would love your listeners to check it out. And Libby, you are so inspiring. Every time we talk, I get amazing value bombs, quite literally, that shift my mindset. I'm so grateful to have met you. Oh, thank you, Betsy. Likewise, I really appreciate that. (laughs) If you are inspired by this episode, click subscribe so we can fill your library with encouragement each week. Every day, your potential clients are searching online for professionals like you with the hopes of finding the right person who can make a genuine impact on their well-being and life. Join my group coaching program and follow the Dietitian Boss Method. You will be surrounded by other amazing dietitian bosses from around the world who will be there to cheer you on, support you, give you feedback, and provide you a spark for new ideas, all while following the proven Dietitian Boss Method. You will be able to share your successes and struggles with people who get it. Book a call with my team to learn how you can become your own boss.